The show is just about to start. Here we go. Are you ready to do this? Let's get started. With respect to crime, I would rather be forced to uh, to listen to OJ jokes for the rest of eternity than to take the advice of President Biden or Governor Newsom. They're both nauseously woke. The biggest terror threat in this country comes from radicals on the far right, primarily white men. Violence has erupted during anti-lockdown protests. And I heard this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. Well, that was monumental. We have not heard Vice President Pence speak this fulsomely, this strongly. It's enormous. question I have, really, is whether it means he's actually going to run or whether it means he's actually decided not to run. Well, I'm glad Mike Pence said it. And he acted with genuine bravery. I have believed for some time that Mike Pence was the unsung hero of January 6th. We're not here to spin things or... Uh, you know, color things are certain ways. That's why we all have to work every day. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. Hmm. I was just listening to the news, and uh, I heard there's uh, something in the water in Austin. I think we've known for a long time there was something in the water in Austin. I'm glad they're boiling it. I th- maybe they need to just keep doing that from now on. How about just from now on? Know what I'm saying? 406 on San Antonio's News Talk Station 550 and 1071 KTSA. Good afternoon, Jack Riccardi, Part 2. Welcome to our dreadful little show. You can join in at 210-599-5555. I- I'm going to jump right to this because I think that I know what's about to happen here. I, I think... Despite everything, I'm going to be a contrarian, despite what everybody else is saying, I think Spotify is going to divorce Joe Rogan. I know the story over the weekend was that the CEO of Spotify, a guy named Daniel Eck, Eek, something, has said, we won't cancel. I don't believe in canceling. But everything they're doing looks to me like, uh, you know, he's packing his bags. He... He's groveling over Joe Rogan. And if you haven't kept up with the story, Joe Rogan's podcast has a $100 million carry deal with Spotify. But somebody compiled a bunch of clips of old episodes where Joe Rogan uses the N-word. And they've got this N-word montage. And he says it's been taken out of context, but also he... Regrets even saying it at all, and he's not going to say it anymore. So this CEO puts out a memo to his employees, because in the new 21st century way of doing things, when you're the boss, you have to grovel to your employees. And he says, I'm so sorry for the way the Joe Rogan podcast is impacting each of you. And so I think they're going to dump him. I think they're going to go through all this, and they're going to dump him, and he's going to make a deal with somebody else. He's already got offers from other people. Andrew Yang, remember him? Uh, He tweeted on Friday that he thinks Joe Rogan's a good guy and not a racist. He says, I know him, and he's not a racist. And Yang got so much heat for that, he retracted (laughs) the defense. With friends like these, right? 
Rumble's offered Joe Rogan a $100 million deal to come to their platform. Look, no one is impacted by a Joe Rogan podcast unless they listen to it. No one's impacted by it. If you don't like it, you don't listen to it. You're Spotify. You carry a gazillion things. I'm sure you don't like or listen to all of them. I don't. I, I like Joe Rogan, and I've only heard a fraction, a sliver, of all the things he's done. It's not impacting anybody. It's not hurting anybody. It's not damaging, wounding anybody. That is all just nonsense talk. That is all cover for cancel. That's all it is. And he's got to put out this memo. I'm so sorry that it's it's so painful to work here. So the next thing they can do is say, we've changed our mind. We're letting him go. And, you know, if you've never heard Joe Rogan, you probably are starting to wonder, what's the deal? What does this guy do? And I'll tell you what he does. He basically hosts conversations and asks questions and makes comments in those conversations very much like the one ones you would ask or make if you were there. He's not a reporter or an anchor or a talk show host. He's a guy that's just doing this kind of on the fly. There wouldn't need to be a Joe Rogan if legacy media had its act together. There wouldn't be a Joe Rogan if legacy media hadn't lost so much credibility and audience to people like him. So he's not impacting anybody. But I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to I think they're going to cave. He'll be fine. He'll get carried on another platform. They'll become as big or bigger than Spotify. We need that. We need variety. If only this had happened with social media, if only this had happened in the beginning with Facebook and Twitter, if only the most powerful people they had come after had ditched them and said, screw off, we're going somewhere else. If only that had happened in the beginning, we'd have multiple platforms competing, not one with the power to cancel and crush all of the others. And then the um, the Olympics are underway. We asked you last week, are you watching? Most people are not. The ratings are at an all-time low. The ratings are off huge from the last Winter Olympics in 2018. There were 29 people that watched the opening ceremonies to the 2018 Olympics in Korea. There were 16 million watching Friday in Beijing. And so they had a panel on, on uh, ESPN about how do you cover the Olympics and balance covering the sports competition with China's genocide and slave labor and crushing of human rights. And they were talking about it on um, one of their panels, and this uh, commentator, Jay Adande, said, well, we we can't call out China for the things that the Chinese Communist government does, because we're, we're worse. America's worse. How can American journalists, he said, find fault with the CCP when we've got photo ID laws to vote? He actually thinks those are worse, or he's trying to sell the idea that those are worse. Imagine concentration camps, slave labor, exterminating ethnic minorities, imprisoning people in their homes so you can claim you've frozen COVID, lying and covering up the origins of a virus that has swept the world, wrecked economies and lives and 
and really civilization. But we can't say anything about it because we're the United States and we have photo ID to vote. Oh, and he also threw in we have uh, American police officers go hunting for young black men. This is a guy on ESPN. So there's no way we can bring up anything that the Chinese communists have done because look how bad we are. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, you know, I, I go back and forth. I wonder, do these people believe this? Like, does Jay Adande really believe that he lives in the worst place in the world? He lives, he lives under a regime. He spends dollars printed by a regime. That dirty? That corrupt? Or does he just think, this is a cool thing to say, this is hip and woke, and it allows me to score points for, you know, again, for BLM and against cops and, and it allows me to not have to do my job. I'd really rather just repeat the propaganda. Wherever we played on Friday, we played the, the way NBC is just, they're reading right out of the tourism brochure as they do this Olympic opening ceremony. I think, um, in addition to the fact that his claims don't hold water, um, I think they were all a little overly impressed by the fact that the Chinese had a Uyghur athlete carry the torch. I When I read that, I found that nauseating and sickening and perverse. But to these guys, it was just proof that the Chinese communists are pretty good guys. Look, look what they did. We learned uh, over the weekend, and we knew that he was very ill for uh, a number of days. He had COVID. Uh, we learned of the passing of Gary DeLon, the longtime Ken's Five reporter and all weekend there were beautiful tributes on facebook and other places uh everybody in our business seems to have known gary delon i did not know him i i'm sure i met him at one point but but i didn't know him and um i knew him as as you know him as a, as somebody you saw on television um so a lot of people are saying really great things about him as a person and a, as a reporter and as somebody that was part of our part of our town I'll just point out one thing. When I was reading the uh, obituary at MySA.com, it was listing all of the halls of fame that he belongs to. And it says that he belongs to the Lone Star Basketball Hall of Fame, the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, the San Antonio Radio Hall of Fame, the San Antonio Sports Hall of Fame, and on and on. Gary DeLon was the kind of person that actually was Hall of Fame. Because now they give out those invitations like Tic Tacs, you know. I mean, I, everybody who's in the business for a certain number of years can be in one of these halls of fame. It, do, it doesn't mean that much now. He really is what halls of fame are about. His work, his integrity, the way that people who just met him one time came away from that and remembered him. There's not going to be very many people who will leave this mortal coil and be remembered that way. So good for him that he was. That's that's the best legacy when you really are deserved. Because they'll say nice things about you when you go, no matter who you are. But when you actually deserve them, that's extraordinary. So rest in peace, Gary DeLon. It looks to me like the this 
pencil neck guy at uh, Spotify is about to cave. If he's groveling and begging his employees for forgiveness, usually the next step in that we've seen this movie before, right? The next step is they cave in. Oh, we we're after after further consideration, we're not going to be able to work with Joe Rogan anymore. We're we're severing our ties. And they can do it. They can thank you. They can do it because um it's okay to go broke when you're woke. No no amount of money lost, no amount of red ink on the ledger is, is a problem. When you're woke, when you're virtue signaling, the sky's the limit. You can spend any amount. You don't have to make a profit anymore. That's the great thing about being woke. You know, there's, in, in any other business decision you make, you have to show a profit. You have to show that it was better for the bottom line. But when you go woke, you... It's a badge of honor if you bleed money, if you bleed profits. By the way, that's when you should really apologize to your employees, when you're bankrupting the company and costing them their jobs. But this guy's apologizing because he says, I'm sorry for the way in which the Joe Rogan Experience podcast continues to impact each of you. I hate when I hear myself use the word impact as a verb. I've caught that from the left not a verb um but but it, it's tr- i mean it's true right i mean you're, you're not impacted by something you don't listen to you're not impacted by the existence of ideas or opinions other than your own this is a crazy unsupportable idea traumatized you're not drained you're not hurt you don't need counseling it's ridiculous and even if he was some sort of diabolical, menacing, snarling figure, but really what he is is he's a guy that just sits there and listens to a lot of different people express a lot of different opinions. He chimes in with some questions. What they hate about Joe Rogan is not his opinion, but that he allows people on his podcast that they will not allow on their legacy media airwaves. They want veto power. If they say so-and-so's point of view should not be heard, it pisses them off that he's being heard or it's being heard by millions of people in a format they can't control, they don't own. And so now they're trying to call him a racist. He's used the N-word. Um, and And it's interesting. I don't think we're surprised, but it's interesting to see how few people have come to his defense. That's show business for you right there. That's that's show business in a nutshell. A lot of nice people, not a lot of people you can count on. The chips are down. They don't know you. I've seen that movie before, too. This is kind of weird. I Have you noticed that the, the White House line on this Ukraine-Russia standoff is very um, it's very uh, Barney Fife in Mayberry. It's very hysterical and and um, panicky. Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, was on the Sunday shows saying they could invade at any minute. It could be tomorrow. Never heard our government talk that way. I've never heard them sound so freaky deaky and. Almost as if they're inviting it, which makes me wonder. 
You may think I'm a little unhinged here, but I just, I wonder. I wonder if this is a crisis of their choosing. I wonder if this is something they would like to have be the centerpiece of, of you know, the, the news cycle. Because all the while we're talking about sanctions on Russia and, and uh, President Biden is flexing on Putin. We're not thinking about, we're not talking about, we're not hearing about the Iranian nuclear program, the missiles in North Korea, China, Taiwan, not to mention the disaster that is our own economy, not to mention the political implosion of the Democratic Party. Look at, look at as witnessed by the fact that the president's own fellow Democrats are fleeing him in droves on everything COVID-related. Governors of blue states are opening up and closing and ending mask mandates, even though none of them have been told to do that by the Biden administration. All of a sudden, they're not taking that guidance. All of a sudden, they're not listening and waiting for Fauci. So maybe Ukraine is what they really want. And maybe that's why we are practically daring Putin to take it. We're going to talk to Lisa Daftari about that coming up. What do you think about that? And then speaking of masks, Stacey Abrams, remember her? She ran for governor of Georgia in 2018. She's running again this year. She's the center of a controversy over the fact that on Friday she went to an elementary school as part of Black History Month. This was in the Atlanta area. And she took a bunch of pictures with the kiddos. She's sitting on the floor with the kids. They're all masked up. No mask on Stacey Abrams. And she shared it. The school principal shared it. Abrams retweeted the school principal's picture. Then there was all this criticism and heat, and now the tweets have been deleted. They've been saved by people who saw them, but she's deleted them from her accounts. I wonder why. You know, it's almost as if appearing in public places without a mask while everyone around you is masked, it, 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 you and I might think, how how embarrassing, what a hypocrite. But you know what it really is? It's really a status symbol. That's the biggest F you you can give the world. That's the biggest way you can say, I'm an important person. I am a V-I freaking P. No mask. It's the, it really, it takes the place of a mink or a BMW or whatever the old status symbols were, a pinky ring. The new status symbol is you go to a place where you've ordered people or you have expressed the opinion that everybody should be wearing a mask and you don't wear one. That's how you say, I'm, I'm somebody special. A lot of great memories and tributes to longtime Ken's Five reporter Gary DeLon, who passed over the weekend. He had suffered with COVID-19 recently. Uh, Gary DeLon was part of a lot of history in San Antonio. He was on scene reporting during the Battle of Flowers shooting in 79. He was working as a KLIF radio reporter in Dallas the day that Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald at the Dallas police station. This is how it sounded live on the air on KLIF that day. The car was supposed to back down at a time when they could just bring Oswald out and push him into the floorboard and drive out. Gary DeLon was standing just a few feet from Lee Harvey Oswald. I just see this shadow coming out of, of my peripheral vision and then bang. Here he comes, Lee Oswald, the accused assassin, Captain Wilkins leading the way. 
being escorted by police officers and the sheriff. The shot rang out. The shot has rung out. And Lee Oswald falls. Lee Oswald has fallen. A shot has rung out here. A struggle is being in place. A shot has rung out. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Lee Oswald, Lee Oswald has just been shot. A shot has rung out. And uh, the press is being gathered now, uh, and everyone says, everyone says, nobody out. Oswald fell. Remembering that years later, uh, Gary DeLon. So a lot of good memories, a lot of good tributes of him and his work. Uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's, one thing to he- it's one thing to hear people say nice things after you go, but... I think he richly deserves them from everything I saw and heard about him. Um, this uh, <laughs> this mask thing is, I think we're at a turning point. I really do. Um, I think we're seeing now the payoff of the hammer blows, of the repeated hammer blows of people going to school board meetings, of people calling out political hypocrisy. I noticed that the governors of blue states are now rushing to the microphones to announce an end to mask mandates in their state, an end to mask mandates in their schools. And I think Stacey Abrams may have just torpedoed her political career by showing herself at an elementary school on Friday in the Atlanta area with no mask while the kids are all masked up. And she's taking heat from everybody across the spectrum. Even The View criticized her. And she's not the only one. Congressman Jamal Bowman of New York visited a high school in New Rochelle, New York. Recently, his staff tweeted out pictures of him with his arms around students. They're all masked. He doesn't have a mask. Maybe they held their breath. What was, who was the guy that held his breath? Was that, uh, was that Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles? He said when he, when he was photographed at the NFC Championship game, it was okay that he didn't have a mask because while he took the picture, he held his breath. So maybe these people held their breath. But, you know, um, in, in, a, in a weird way, this is, how it always, this is always how it had to end. This is how it had to end. We had to end it. So, yeah, they're making the announcements. But they're making the announcements because you've, you've, you've had it. They can't, they can't hold it together anymore. They can't sustain it anymore. And there's nothing worse than being that person who's barking out orders over a megaphone and no one's paying attention. And that's the, the dilemma they find themselves in right now. That's what they hate about this trucker protest, if you think about it. This blows up the, the, the narrative, right? The truckers are blowing up the narrative. The narrative is that only uh, Trumpers or right-wing zealots or weirdos don't want to wear a mask or don't want to get the vaccine. But you can't say all truckers are weirdos or zealots or right-wingers because it's not true. And moreover, the truckers, whether it's in Canada or in this country, were held up as heroes not that long ago by politicians. 
They were called the heroes, the frontline workers. They were extolled as the people that were going to save us during the lockdowns in 2020 because things had to be made and delivered and supplied, and they were out there doing it. Thank you, truckers. And now they're revolting. And it's genuine. It's bottom-up. It's genuine. It's populist and popular. And they hate it. Let me talk about why that is. Talk about why there is so much. I don't know if you've heard all the things that have happened, but in uh, in Canada, the police are saying you'll be arrested if you try to bring gasoline or water to the truckers because they're trying to cut them off and basically starve them out of this protest. And then um, you've probably heard the GoFundMe story. GoFundMe. There was a there was a massive fundraiser on GoFundMe for the truckers, and at one point they announced they were going to abscond with the money. They were going to redirect the funds. They were not going if you had donated to this fund for the truckers, they were going to redirect your money to something of their choosing. And they got so much heat and threatened um, criminal prosecution in both countries, this country and Canada, that they announced, "Well, we'll just refund all that money if you gave to that fund. We'll just give it to you back." But they don't want to give it to the truckers. We're talking about why that is. What do you think about that? How how is that fitting into the way you view this whole thing? All right. So um, it's like they are hoping we will just forget the last two years. Uh, one of the CNN doctors was on there saying it's time to lift all these mask mandates. Like these were not their idea. <laughs> this was not what they were preaching and scaring the hell out of people with over the last two years. Oh, we need to just get rid of these. Um, the same doctor had previously said as recently as October, we're nowhere near. We're nowhere near lifting the mask mandates. Now, oh, it's, it's time to get rid of these things. They're getting rid of them because you don't like them. They're getting rid of them because it's an election year, and it smells like trouble. It smells like bad trouble for politicians who are associated with mask and vaccine mandates, it smells like it could be bad. So, all of a sudden, we don't need that. But I gotta tell you, I don't think there's a more powerful visual in, in politics today. And this is the kind of thing that you probably have friends that don't pay very much attention to current events or the news, and you're always trying to get them interested in it, and they don't really care. They got, you know, they got their shows they want to watch, their things they do, and they're just not. But I'll tell you, everybody gets it when they see a picture of a mask preaching politician, maskless, surrounded by children, all tied up in masks. There isn't anything that says us versus them more clearly than that. There isn't anything that expresses their disrespect and disdain for us than that. They're not trying to save us. They hate us. They find us repulsive. We're a necessary evil to politicians. And putting masks on children has been a disaster. Not a good health policy or public health practice. No, it's been a disaster. And to have all these politicians 
taking pictures, which are self-serving pictures for them, right? Posing with children. When a politician is posing with children, it's to make him or her look better. They're all wearing masks, no mask on the politician. Your friends that don't pay attention, they're getting that. They're seeing that. And the truckers. I don't know. I, I keep thinking about how we learned in school that when Karl Marx came along and wrote the Communist Manifesto, he thought that it would be a worker revolution. But what they found was that in most European countries, workers were not interested in what Karl Marx was putting out. Workers wanted to be middle class. And there wasn't going to be any middle class in the workers' paradise of Karl Marx. So after Karl Marx, his successors, his spiritual successors, his his apostles, got the idea of bringing communism into societies via elites, not via workers. So we're going to spread communism not through working people coming to meetings and joining up. We're going to spread it through college professors. We're going to spread it through elites in the society, the intelligentsia, so to speak. And that's what's happened. This is a revolution, a worker revolution they can't control. It isn't on their behalf. It isn't going to hand power to them. These are not workers asking for communism or collectivism, right? These aren't people. This isn't a a protest from people that want something from the government. This is a protest of people that want the government to leave them alone. It's the opposite of what the communists and the socialists want. They want you to rise up and demand universal basic income or Government health care or mandatory this or, uh, you know, uh, government funded that. More power to them, more control for them. But, but this is the opposite. And, and how do you spin this as this is some sort of fringe group? I, I notice they're being called a cult. The truckers are being called a cult. Now, in what universe does that make any kind of sense? If anyone's acted like a cult, isn't it the people that say, I believe in science? Isn't it the people that have Fauci candles? That's kind of like a cult. If you have an altar to Fauci in your home, I'm thinking that's kind of a cult. But a truck driver that just wants to be left the hell alone sounds like every truck driver I've ever met. What do you think? 210-599-5555. But by all means, a good way to get them to stop is to insult the hell out of them. I'm sure these truckers will turn around and go home when they find out that media commentators don't like them or don't approve of what they're doing. That's going to crush them because they're very delicate, as you know, truck drivers, very, very delicate, sensitive people. When they find out that their local anchor person or anchorette doesn't like what they're doing, oh, it's going to devastate them. 210 599 What do you think? And um, it also shows, I think, that there are people that really want and crave to be bossed around. It's, it's kind of kinky almost. They want to be dominated. So there are people that want mask edicts and mask mandates, not so they can wear a mask because they're going to wear one anyway. 
Not so they can get a vaccine, because they're going to get one anyway. But they want to be ordered. They want the authority. They want to be told they must, and we all must. They get off on that. And this is infuriating to them. And if it goes back to using your own judgment, doing what feels right to you, oh man, that's not what they, that's not how they saw this ending at all. And that's why they have to hate on the Canadian truckers. I was saying this morning, and I, I mean this with love, not as a criticism, I, I think the truckers would have more um, power if instead of driving the trucks to Canada's capital of Ottawa, they simply parked their trucks and stopped delivering stuff. The people that are boo-hooing over the truckers wouldn't make it a week without the stuff truckers deliver. They couldn't do it. And they'd be, they'd be freaking out. They'd be demanding that the military do airlifts and all kinds of other unrealistic things. That might be the greatest power the truckers have, but it would take a lot of them to do it. It would take way more than just the number who are involved in the, in the protest. You'd have to have a lot of buy-in. But that would show right there and then. These are not people to be dismissed as a cult. What do you think about it? Todd is on the radio on KTSA. Todd, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jack. Uh, my comments were about uh, GoFundMe and how they now are, they're just another one of the digital platforms that all of a sudden is making decisions on what you are supposed to be thinking and how you're supposed to be thinking. Uh, what right does the platform have not to distribute that money to those truckers? I I just find it, I mean, you can mark them down, Facebook and Twitter, and now GoFundMe and YouTube and pretty much all of Google. They just, they just dictate, they, they want to dictate to all the American people, this is how you need to think and this is what you need to do. And it just, Mm -hmm. it needs to change. It really does. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, they, they, their explanation was, we can't distribute the funds because the the protests are violent and anti uh you know law and order but in fact to my knowledge the only violence around these protests have been people attacking the convoys i don't know that the truckers i've never read an account of the truckers engaging in any violence at all and and i've heard that they had uh black lives matter go fund me when they were rioting in the streets and tearing mm-hmm. down government buildings and everything right. else and they've had natifa go fund me projects on there but then you go look at all the the list of everything that they cancel and they pull down and mm-hmm. it's it's anything that has a conservative point of view gets pulled off of there mm-hmm. yeah so well. Anyway, this is why. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate the call, and I I think this is why we need we need more platforms. This is why I actually think if Spotify ditches Joe Rogan, which they're going to do, take my word for it, they're going to do it. uh, That's fine. That's good. Let him go somewhere. Rumble wants him. A couple of others want him. Let him go to another platform. Instantly make that one bigger and more competitive with Spotify. And see, that's what needs to happen. And that's what probably needed to happen in the early explosive growth of Facebook and Twitter, but didn't because we were still holding out hope that these things were simply 
curators or platforms. You know, that, that if, if you're a Spotify employee, your job is to simply support a platform that a lot of different users use. You're not endorsing everything that's on it. You're not, you're not a co-author or a co-composer of every song. You're not, uh, you know, a, an endorser of every opinion. So if they want to do what Todd, I think, accurately described, we need more, more of them. And I think we'll have more of them. It's, it's, it's growing pains. This is all still very young and very new. It's not going to be easy because when Parler came along, they crushed it. They conspired and colluded to crush it. You heard the word collusion a lot the last few years, but that was collusion. 210-599-5555. Alberto is on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Alberto, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Thank you for letting me say something. Um, I'm very curious. Um, Obviously, we're going to have a a world crisis if Russia invades Ukraine. And in the middle of that world crisis, we're going to have more crisis added to it if this trucker situation continues and escalates. Do you think it would be a a bigger crisis? Because we need the truckers for transportation. Well, food, well, why do you think we're going to have a wor- why Why do you think we're going to have a world crisis if Russia invades Ukraine? Well, you know, the domino effect from one thing to another. That's just what I'm thinking. I, like the I said, domino effect. Yeah, we have uh, something happening here, something happening over there, and then all of a sudden, you know, things just get worse because of what's happening on both areas. Why, why would there be a? Why I don't know. Understand why there would be a domino effect? Well, there may not be one. That's why I'm asking. Would there be? Would there be something like that? There, I may hmm. be in left field. I'm just asking. No, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying. I I don't really. I guess I don't really. I don't know how to answer your question or, or have an opinion on it because I don't think I, I. I don't think I understand yeah. it. I. I mean, if you're asking me, are the truckers? Are you asking me if the truckers are going to make things worse? By being on strike when we're having all these other things go on in the world, is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not saying the truckers are going to make a thing worse. I'm saying things will get worse because of what's going on. Um, well, I'm then not, maybe we ought to listen to what if if the truckers are people we need, Alberto. Maybe we yeah, ought to listen to what. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, then I think we ought to. Then I think we ought to maybe stop hassling them over the damn vaccine. They're alone in their truck. If they don't want to get yeah, it, right they don't now. need to get it. I'm for the truckers. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I'm so that's what I would say. I guess the answer would be stop stop trying to hassle them. If they're if yeah. they're as important as you and I both agree they are, uh, yeah, they then are very important. Then I would we say we have our goodies by the truckers. We need them bad. Yeah. Then bad, I would say bad. we ought to we ought to stop mandating and bossing them around. Yeah. No. I mean they have to be treated fairly. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Because I don't think that um, <laughs> look. They're the least of our problems. They're not the ones creating this world crisis. This world crisis, I think, has been brought on by politicians who are on a power trip, and they don't want us to notice that they completely mishandled COVID. I'm talking about both parties, by the way, in multiple countries, and not just not just the current administration. But I mean, this has just been a this has been a train wreck. Okay, and. It's it's covered in lies and misinformation. They have a lot of nerve accusing some comedian on a podcast of spreading misinformation. If he worked morning, noon, and night, he couldn't do as much misinforming as the people whose taxes you pay and salaries you pay with their ta- with your taxes. 
have done. You know, Fauci alone is a fountain of misinformation. And there's all these wannabes that have attached themselves to him like, like you know, like uh, ticks. And whatever he says, I'm for it, I'll do it. So I, I think it's been two years of, of misery visited on you and me by people that don't know what the hell they're doing, have used this or hijacked this for their own purposes. God, I sound cranky, don't I? <laughs> but I mean... The nerve of them to say, oh, well, these truckers are really making things tough. No, they're not. They're you and me. See, we, we don't drive vehicles that big. If we drove our vehicles into a city, it wouldn't make as big of an impact. You drive a lot of those things in, and it ties stuff up. It gets their attention. And you blow those air horns, gets their attention. Good. This is a simple answer. These people don't want to stay there. Stop pushing them around. Stop talking about them like the Canadian Prime Minister has talked about them like they're an invading enemy army. And I'm sure they would like to get back on the road hauling their, hauling their loads. Isn't that what we all want to do? Don't we all want to get back to working hard and making the money that goes with working hard? and running our businesses as competitively as we want to and as we can. And we'll take care of ourselves, and we'll take care of our customers, and we'll take care of our employees. And just the way we did before somebody was telling us we didn't know how to. You know, you've, you've had the last two years, you've been told you don't know how to do anything. You're a, you've become an infant. You've become a baby. You can't make any decisions. Where to go, how to go, what what to do when you get there. So I think that's what people want. They don't want something from the government. They want to be left alone. I always thought that there was a lot more of this out there than than we realized. I always believed there was a. I always believed there was an enormous leave us alone population. That Grover Norquist wrote a book years ago where he suggested that, I can't remember the name of it now, we had him on at the time, but he was way, way, way ahead of the, the curve. But his idea was that there's a lot of people across the spectrum who think they don't have anything in common with each other. And the example he used was gay activists and gun activists. And he said those are two groups that think they don't have anything in common. But what they want is for the government to leave them alone. They want politicians to leave them alone. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be smeared. They don't want to be stereotyped. They just want to be left alone. He said, if people ever figured out how much they have in common with each other in wanting to be left alone, it would be an incredible force. I think we're seeing some of that now, don't you? Do you think so? 210-599-5555. And... The whole business of shutting down companies and stores and restaurants and putting people out of business and telling them they were greedy for wanting to open their businesses or wanting to go to work. And now this thing with GoFundMe, this is a giant middle finger to working people. If you forget this, if you don't, if you don't learn from this, then shame on you because they've shown you who they are. And what they, what they think of you. And how little they think of you. So one thing was top down. Right? 
You had national governments dictating to local government, local government dictating to businesses. And that was all top-down and and incredibly arrogant. We don't have to show you where we have the right to do it. There doesn't have to be a law. We don't have to point it out in the Constitution, which just, you will listen to us because this is an emergency. Shut up and listen. And the other thing is bottom-up. So people resisting the truckers, that's bottom-up. So the bottom-up revolution has met the top-down revolution. And that's what's playing out. And I think they're blinking. Because they're afraid that this might... They're afraid they may have miscalculated and they may be going to pay a very dear price politically. And I think they will. But right now they're trying to cut their losses. So all of a sudden, whether it's a doctor on CNN or the governor of Connecticut... Masks? Oh, no, we're not. (laughs) We don't need those anymore. Okay. Pete writes to Jack at KTSA.com. Biden let Russia become Europe's gas station. Sanctions mean nothing now. We're going to talk about all this and also a unique perspective on what went on with The View and uh, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, as we're joined now by Lisa Daftari, the editor at ForeignDeskNews.com on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Lisa, good afternoon. Thanks for coming on with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. The president today said uh, if Russia crosses the border, there will be no Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, if a president like Ronald Reagan said that, I would envision, you know, bombing runs over the the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But I don't really know what Joe Biden meant by that. Do you? No, I think a lot of threats are being thrown out, which empty threats are worse than no threats. Um, You know, we we know that this is the Obama 2.0 presidency. And if you remember when President Obama told, uh, you know, the Syrians and the Russians that he's drawing the red line, uh, the proverbial red line in the sand and nothing was ever done after chemical weapons were used and we know that they were used um and this is this is very similar to that you know there's only one statesman there's only one true leader in this equation and that's putin unfortunately who's going to be running circles around us um in terms of rhetoric and in terms of strategy so um, so when we keep hearing that there are going to be sanctions like you've never seen before right. and this is going to be unpre- hasn't he priced those in to what he's whatever it is he's planning to do? Oh, absolutely. And the other qu- question becomes Jack, well, if we're if we're throwing around sanctions and if they are actually announced before Putin crosses the line into Ukraine, well then he's going to say I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. I might as well continue with my plan. I mean, what is there to deter him meaning how is this use of diplomacy if it didn't stop him before, you know, making any actions? And why are uh, the, 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 the wording here, the rhetoric coming out of the White House is very interesting because they've been saying that the, um, the, the invasion of Ukraine is imminent. And a couple of days ago, they walked that back and they said, we will no longer be using this terminology mm-hmm. because we don't mm-hmm. want to kind of give off this, this impression. And, and yet then they then, used it on Sunday. They're using it again, right? As of the last 24 hours, they're using it again. And again, all options are on the table. And again, sanctions are on the table. And again, watch out. You know, you've never seen anything like this before. Well, I don't think Putin believes any of this for a minute. So um, what 
is your read on the... Uh, are you at all surprised at the willingness of NBC in particular, but the, the sports media in general, to take this uh, kid glove approach with the Chinese Communist Party and to say, we're, we're not going to call them out, we're not going to make any observations, we just want to have a nice Winter Olympiad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- what they did was they, they were not taking into account how far this country has come. And the thing about cancel culture and the thing about this intersectionality and the thing about social justice is that it cuts both ways. And I think sometimes the left doesn't understand that the world that they created, they've got to live in it too. Because what happens is, you know, if this were about 10, 15 years ago, I would agree with your 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 um, setup statement to say it's sports right who cares about what's going on behind the scenes i mean there's always been politics for as long as there have been human beings there's always been some sort of um, underlying motivation there's always been businesses involved there's always been some sort of sponsor who you can't criticize there's always been something going on but now people are on social media people see through it people are talking about the uyghurs people are talking about covid people are talking about the lack of transparency with the chinese government and i think that for that reason it's it appears to be so tone deaf when nbc wants to pretend like nothing's going on well it's not just nbc actually we also have nancy pelosi saying really don't piss them off you know when you guys <laughs> telling right. the athletes right. to be on their best behavior not to yeah, this is this is nothing new. They they took China's side over Donald Trump, our own president. Love him or hate him, he's our president. But they took China's side. So did Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and now they're doing the same thing. They're taking China's side over the the, the athletes. They're saying, yeah. "Be nice, be on your best behavior." I did not know you you posted this um, the other day. I did not know that you auditioned for or interviewed for a position or a a place on the the panel of the view Mm -hmm. a few years ago so Mm -hmm. how did that go and what does that tell you about what happened with Whoopi goldberg and her statement about the holocaust not being about race Uh, it's interesting i'll tell you you know they were very kind to me they invited me they they invited me to audition it wasn't that i that i it, it wasn't like an open call you know, they invited me to audition. I had just just left Fox, and they invited me to audition for the one conservative spot. Um, right. They didn't bring me in because I'm Middle Eastern. They didn't bring me in, you know, so much for diversity, but they didn't bring me in for, for any of, of, of uh, the multiple reasons why I could have been brought in for my diversity, but they, brought, they would have brought me in as a conservative voice. And a few weeks later, they ended up um, picking up Megan McCain, who then became a free agent right after that, who was a wonderful choice. She's she's absolutely wonderful. Um, they they were kind enough um, and and very very impressed, but they almost treated my political um, my my political beliefs as as kind of like a disease. You know, they asked me questions like, "You worked with Sean Hannity? Yuck!" And I said, "Wow." Um, he's actually the nicest person um, that mm-hmm. I've ever worked with, and he truly is. Mm-hmm. He's somebody to bring. Mm-hmm. Who, and I even said to her, he's somebody who would walk across the lobby to say hello to you, you know, when you're an intern. So um, it, it was it was interesting because it was like you're guilty until proven innocent, but they had to fill that spot. Um, that and and to your second question, how does that kind of um, make me feel about 
or how does it inform what happened now? I'm not surprised. You know, that, you know, the echo chamber of echo chambers, it is the smallest echo chamber these women have. And the amount of misinformation and disinformation and the amount that they patronize one another and they they actually believe that they are tolerant or diverse or making a difference or speaking about things that, are, you know, Barbara Walter started the show. And I think a lot of people forget that mm-hmm. she, um, you know, for, for whatever we can say about it, she actually did have many of the qualities of an actual journalist, um, or at least she pretended to. Oh yeah. These women oh, are, yeah. Yeah. Are, not, are nothing but nasty, nasty cheerleaders for one another. And it's interesting that they ever even debate. I think it's just for, for, for show and optics, but um, I'm not surprised that this happened. I'm not surprised that they got it wrong. And I'm not surprised that they actually don't really care that much. Meaning if this were another topic, if this was one of their hot topics, then they would care much more. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really goes to the culture of the building and the culture of, of, of the show in particular. Um, and I don't know how, how many people watch the view anymore or how relevant it is. But as I said, in, in talking about, um, cancel culture about the Olympics. It's the same thing. Look, they've, the the left has created a non-tolerant environment, and very, very often, and more often, it's it's becoming more and more often um, that they, it applies to themselves as well, and they become yeah. canceled, or they become you know irrelevant, and they become outdated, and these this, these are their own talking points. Well said, boy. I- I think that's a great a great point, and I, if I may say this, I feel kind of glad that you didn't wind up going on that show. I, I know that would have been a huge bit of exposure for you. It's a it's a major network show, but I, I, as you described it, I kept thinking, I don't I don't want my friend Lisa Daftari to have to go to work there every day. I'd rather come on KTSA when you invite me. I'm much happier right here. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I believe that, but I certainly will believe that we don't want you to go into that environment every day. But uh, keep up the great work at foreigndesknews.com. Always always appreciate you're willing to come on. Thank you, Lisa. So we talked about uh, Gary DeLon. I think this is kind of funny. I don't know. It's funny how people think. I had a couple of people this morning when we talked about Gary DeLon this morning, and I've had a couple of people this afternoon say, Jack, Jack, why didn't you mention his sports coats? Um, Because that really wasn't important to me. I, get, I, I know he was known for having colorful sports coats, but I don't know. Okay, his sports coats were colorful. I, I think you may be forgetting that at the time he was dressing that way, a lot of guys on television redressing that way in fact there were stations that had a like a you know matching blazer deal in the 70s where all the anchors the sports guy the weather guy they'd all and they were all guys would all wear like the maroon coat or the goldenrod coat wasn't it uh dom was it abc sports they had like yellow jackets do you remember that I think it was abc wasn't it yeah so Okay, um, I, I'm sorry I blew the Gary DeLon tribute by not referencing his plaid sports coats. I, I, th- I thought I'd say he was a nice guy and great at what he did, but okay. Um, there's a funny catchphrase that uh, a blogger I really like, Glenn Reynolds, he, he'll, he'll post a funny news story or a weird news story, and he'll say, 
this was not the future we were promised, or this was not the 21st century I was expecting. And then I saw this thing, uh, this article over the weekend, where they were um, reprising or revisiting predictions made about the year 2022 in the year 1922. So what were people in 1922 expecting 2022 would bring? Of course, they didn't expect to see any of it. They weren't going to be there for it. And one of them was a a, a British novelist named W.L. George. And he was hired by the New York Herald to write a piece on what will the world be like in 100 years. It ran on May 7th, 1922. And I borrowed a copy of the article from Nancy Pelosi. She had it in her scrapbook. So um, He wrote that in the year 1922, now get this, commercial flying will have become entirely commonplace. Uh, you'll be able to get from uh, New York to London or Europe in under eight hours. The people of the year 2022 will probably never see wires and cables in the air against the sky. It's practically certain that wireless telephones will have crushed the cable system. He was predicting wireless phones in 1922. Coal will not be exhausted, but our reserves will be depleted, and so will those of oil. It's likely a great deal of power will be obtained from the sun and probably from nuclear or atomic energy. Again, 1922. He predicted that movies would be shown in color and that the actors would be speaking in their voices. Remember, this was the age of the silent film, black and white. He predicted that many buildings now standing would be preserved The Capitol in Washington and famous architecture around the world will be preserved and conserved, churches and cathedrals and universities. He predicted that there would be numerous breakthroughs in housework. And again, I think you'd say he was right. Think of all the things that that you had to do around the house a hundred years ago that we don't do now or we do electronically or or, or that are no longer needed. So, I asked the question this morning, I want to ask you, do you, when you think about how you envisioned the future, like when you were a little kid, the year 2022, right, it sounded very sci-fi, right? What did you think would, life would be like in the, in the 21st century compared to what it is? Is this the future you were expecting? 210-599-5555. You know what I missed on? I missed on a lot, but I, I, as a little kid, I always thought, oh, in the 2000s, we'll all have flying cars because of the Jetsons, probably. I don't know why we need flying cars, but I was pretty sure we'd have them. Now I'm kind of thinking I may not live to see that. Flying cars. And somebody wrote to me this morning, be careful what you wish for. Look at the way people drive land-based cars. You really want them flying? I thought that was a good point. Wayne wrote that. So 210-599-5555 is the 21st century, is today what you thought the future would be like? 
Or how is it different? Or how is it what you expected or not expected? Maybe you're glad. Maybe you're disappointed. 210-599-5555. Now, he also said this, W.L. George, writing in 1922. Listen to this. The child will be taken over by the state and not only schooled, but fed and clad and at the end of its training placed in a post suitable to its abilities. So he was predicting 100 years ago that the government would put itself between parents and their children. Remember, this is before there's no New Deal, there's no Great Society, there's no welfare social net, there's none of that in 1922. We're still living in a laissez-faire economy. The, the, the U.S. federal budget is like 2% of the GDP or 3% of the GDP in 1922. It's like a quarter of it now. He said that the year 2022 will probably see a large number of women in Congress and on the judicial bench and many in civil service posts and maybe some in the president's cabinet. But he wrote, it's unlikely that women will have achieved equality with men. Mm. Didn't think that was going to happen. Marriage will exist much as it is today, he wrote in 1922. But divorce will be as easy everywhere as it is in Nevada. And if you remember the old expression, a a Reno divorce or a Nevada divorce, they were, I think, the first state or one of the first states to have no-fault divorce. I suspect, he wrote, that the wars to come will be horrible beyond conception by new poisonous gases, inextinguishable flames. In those wars, the airplane bomb will seem as out of date as is today the hatchet. Now, air power was just coming into being when he wrote this, but in a way, he's right. Airplanes dropping bombs is now actually considered pretty low-tech warfare. What do you think? He thought the country would cap out at about 250 million people. We're at 330 million, I think, now. He said that um, the idea of north and south, east and west, will have almost completely disappeared. Is that true? Hmm? So this guy had some interesting thoughts, and, and there were a lot of people making those kinds of predictions. Is this the future you expected? All right, uh, is this the future you were expecting uh, when you were thinking about living in the year 2022? 210-599-5555. Anthony is on the radio. Anthony, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. So has this been the future you were uh, hoping for? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I lived through the 90, 80s, 90s, yeah. you know. I, I, you know, I thought we, were, we would be at a much elevated place, and I'm just not yeah. talking about technology-wise. Um, and I feel a big part of me just feels like we're moving backwards, right? Not to compare us to Rome and all that stuff, but I just feel it's just going backwards. And you're talking about technology and all the stuff that Orwell saw. Well, technology is improving, but the masses don't really have it, right, or can't afford it. I don't know. Um, well, I think we have it, but I think to your point, it hasn't made us, it hasn't made civilization better. It may have even yeah. made it worse. Agreed. And, and I think social media, and look, I'm not one of these guys, I love social media. I'm on social media all the time, okay, so I'm not one of these guys that's against social media, but I think that we're just getting dumber as a whole. You know, the yeah. aggregate of society is just getting a little, 
I don't know, like losing a lot of morals, losing a lot of just sense of common community. And and it wasn't, I really expect, I I didn't expect Nirvana, okay, don't get me wrong. But I didn't expect what we're seeing today. I Mm. mean, road rage and people, the violence that we're seeing and all of that. I I think kind of we're moving backwards in a sense. You know, if you had told me that we would have this thing called a smartphone, I'd have assumed we'd all be a lot smarter and, like, we'd have the answers to everything at our fingertips. But it really does seem like it's had the opposite effect. I think you make a great point. So we have the techno- we have better technology, but we don't have, like, better society. You, you know, I, I try to be like, you know, Einstein used to say that he didn't have to memorize anything because he could look at a book. But, but also Einstein was truly a genius, you know? And I think with us, uh, I'm, I'm putting myself into this category, with us looking up everything and just seeing how everything is spelled and Siri doing yeah. everything for us, I, I honestly think we are getting a little yeah. dumber yeah. and slower as a, as a whole. Well, I think, that's, I think that's really well said. Anthony, great call. I'm glad to hear from you. I hope you'll call again. I think you make some great points. I, I agree with Anthony. I, I, this isn't the future I was expecting. And it's not just the flying cars. We're living in the 21st century. We're deep into the 21st century, right? So this is it. This is the future. When you were a kid, when you were growing up, if you grew up in the 80s or the 70s or the 60s or the 50s, these are the years when they would invoke the future someday in the future. These are the years, years that begin with a two. And is this what you thought it would be? 210-599-5555. It's amazing, this guy that was making the predictions in 1922, it's amazing how many things he got right. Now, let me give you another example of, of something that's coming in the future. They say, see how you feel about this, there was a story last week, uh, that the CEO of Ford, they were doing some product announcement, and um, he was asked about subscriptions. This is the new thing in the car world. Have you heard about this? Back in the day, you would buy a car, you would order options. I want the leather seats, or I want the you know air conditioning, or I want this or that feature. In the future... Car companies, because these cars are all basically um, digital platforms, and they're they're rolling 5G platforms, they're saying that in the future they will sell you the option with a monthly subscription. If you wanted heated seats, you can pay uh, by the month for heated seats. If you stop paying, the seat heaters won't come on anymore. Tesla already does this. They will upgrade and add capabilities to the onboard hardware of a Tesla, but you've got to pay the subscription. BMW is saying that they're going to do it. Other makers are saying they're going to do it. The CEO of Ford says, we, we don't like that idea. But it's coming. There's billions of dollars if customers will subscribe to vehicle features. High beams. Remote start. How would you like to pay $5 a month for the ability to lock and unlock your car from a distance through an app? Or $25 a month for advanced cruise control? Or $10 a month for heated front seats? And those charges would continue forever. 
So you might pay off the car, but you'd have to pay the subscription. They would get a stream of revenue from your car long after the initial purchase. They could keep adding new things. Maybe they'd have a feature that wasn't available when your car was built. But now we know how to do X. Hey, we'll make it happen in your car, but you got to pay for it now. And these are over-the-air software updates. This has been around. The, the ability to do this has been around for years. If your car has a digital dashboard or a digital infotainment system, your car is already uh, configured for this kind of economy. But they're only just starting. Brands like Lexus and Subaru are, are only just starting now to get involved. And it starts with the app. When you download the app for your vehicle, oh, here, here are the keys to your new car, and make sure you download the app. And that used to just be like a nice little extra. But now they're saying you're going to need the app because we're going to make you subscribe to the features. Electric cars. What if we said, well, your electric car could have more range, but you have to subscribe for that. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. That may be in the future, the very near future. All right, Lorraine is calling in with some uh, thoughts about how things have worked out in our future present. Hi, Lorraine. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Real good. So is this the future you were expecting? Well, yes and no. Two things on comments, and I'll let you run with it. (laughs) <laughs> the, in the, that song, In the Year 2525, got oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We're halfway there. A lot of people be too young to know that song. The yeah. second is, I'm going to continue drive my 73 Volkswagen and my 76 BMW motorcycle <laughs> air-cooled, no computers, as long as I can, and I don't have to worry about buying any stinking apps. Oh, good for you. What did you say? What, and, name the car again. Which car do you have? I have, well, I have a... 73 Volkswagen Bug, a 72 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia, and a 72 thing. Wow. And a 76 BMW motorcycle with a sidecar, which I love riding all over town. Wow. <laughs> I am geeking out on your car, as I like your car choices, Lorraine. Yeah. Did, 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 now, did you, um, I'm just curious, have you had all of those for a long time, or did you accumulate them recently, or? No, I've had a car in Madrid since I was 19. First car is wow. my mom, my granny's 62 Chevy Nova, which I washed yeah. and bleached for as a teenager and didn't know any better. <laughs> Whoops. And uh, but no, I've always had a Volkswagen. Nice. So you don't want anything that you don't want anything you have to pay a subscription for, right? Sir. You don't you don't want anything you have to pay a subscription for. No, but you know you have to do that now with like Microsoft Office, right? And all these things are going into that, so it's coming. It'll probably be everything but... eventually. Yeah, it'll probably be everything. But, um, I mean, your your toaster, your coffee maker, your dishwasher—they'll probably all have that eventually. All right, well, Lorraine, I appreciate the call. Thank you. It's good to hear from you. And um, the year in the year twenty five twenty five was Zager and Evans, right? The one hit wonder. Look at that. Everything you think, do, and say is in the pill you took today. Where? What does that remind you of? All right. 210-599-5555. Car companies considering 
over-the-air updates and offering over-the-air features where they could turn on and off the options on your car. Right now you think, well, my car is the way it is when I buy it. it. Whatever it's equipped to do on the day I buy it, that's what it'll do. But they're saying, no, you're going to have to subscribe for those options, subscribe for those features. And I don't know how far it'll go, but I don't think people are going to like it. And the question is, will they get away with it? Or will there be so much upheaval and disapproval that they have to back down from it? We'll see. It's going to be interesting. It's already started, though. 210-599-5555. We'll be talking about uh, predictions for the future and how you thought things would be and versus how they are. And I, I, I'm only half joking when I say I thought we'd have flying cars. I really thought that would happen. Um, the other thing that I would not have predicted that I did not see coming is what's going on right now with race. And, and I don't mean to put this on you or me. You may, this may not apply to you and don't take offense. But I grew up, I was, I'm, I was the beginning of what they call Generation X. So we came after the baby boomers starting in about 1964, 65, Generation X. And Generation X grew up with the whole MLK content of your character, not color of your skin. We grew up with children's television programming that was very um, inclusive, you know, Mr. Rogers. And everything we learned at school, everything we learned from the culture, everything we learned from the music of our times, you know, I'd like to teach the world to sing Coca-Cola, it was all that race wouldn't matter, we wouldn't see color, we'd be colorblind. And we, we, for the most part, we really ran with that. And we, we totally bought in. If you're of that age, if you were born between, you know, let's say 64 and 1980, that was your experience. That's what you were taught. That's how you were taught. I would not have expected, I could never have guessed we would have racially segregated college dormitories and racially segregated college graduations and, and race admissions at colleges and that we'd still be litigating that in the year 2022, which we are at the Supreme Court. I didn't see that coming. Now that may, that may not be as stark and as shocking as flying cars or flying to Europe in six hours. But, I mean, that, that just really, for me, that is stunning that, that we took a giant step backwards. And Anthony said it very well. It, it seems like technology has moved forward and civilization has moved backwards. What do you think? Is this the 21st century you were expecting when you would daydream or people would make predictions or they would speak? I just I remember as a kid... It seemed like unbelievable that we'd have years that didn't begin with one, that began with two. And now here we are. <laughs> and it's, is it what you thought it would be? Is 2022 what you thought the, the 2020s would be? Uh, maybe it is. Maybe you're pleasantly surprised. Maybe you're aghast. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Man writing 100 years ago predicted more people living in high-rise buildings, flying to Europe in six hours, wireless telephones, women in Congress, 
But he got some things wrong. He thought that north, south, east, and west would no longer have a distinction or a meaning in our society. I think they still do, right? I don't I don't know if people necessarily think like Mason Dixon line, but we're definitely we definitely have some regional differences and flavors. We're not all one Paul Harvey used to say a lot, the radio commentator, we're not all one country. And what he meant by that is there's just very different perceptions and ideas about things. I, I've used this example when we've talked about guns. Coming from the Northeast, you come from a place where no, no one we knew owned a gun, never seen a gun. People are routinely afraid of them. You come down here, it's a totally di- people have had a totally different you know, exposure to them, attitude toward them. Now, the Second Amendment is the same everywhere, but it's it's why you, you see people supporting politicians and political ideas of one type toward guns there and another type here. 210-599-5555. We were talking earlier about this. The, um, the, the spectacle is becoming a daily thing now of politicians... Not wearing masks. These are pro-mask. Everybody needs to wear a mask. We need mandates. Schools, the kids need to be in masks. Politicians going around, traipsing around, even in schools, as was the case with Stacey Abrams, the gubernatorial candidate in Georgia, Congressman Jamal Bowman of New York. They went into schools and, and addressed and spoke in classrooms and visited and took pictures with students. No mask. And I was saying, I think that is a status symbol now. I mean, they now know that they're, I mean, they're posing for pictures. So it's not like somebody took their picture surreptitiously, right? So they know they don't have it on. They know that everyone around them, all those children, are masked up. Every one of them. They are letting us know that they are VIPs. They're very important people. They don't need to be masked. COVID knows not to go after them. COVID knows who's important. It won't go after Stacey Abrams. I mean, that's what they're saying, right? They know they're going to be seen I mean, posing for pictures. Pictures these days don't go in a scrapbook. They go online. As soon as they're taken, everybody's does. Every everybody does that. So, I have to conclude that they have simply decided the rules are for the little people and don't apply to them. Well, the more people see that, the more this whole thing falls apart. That is a stark. You don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or a conservative or whatever. When you see that, that tells you everything you need to know about the, the, the politics of masks. Makes me wonder how many of them really had the vaccine. I mean, we have to take their word for it. We, we don't know. They'll say they are, but we don't know. Again, whatever the rules are for us that they've made, those rules don't apply to them. And they're not hiding it anymore. It's not a gotcha moment anymore, like it was in the beginning when they would get caught. 210-599-5555. Kurt's calling in about the future, which is now. The future is now, Kurt. Is this the future you were expecting? 
It wasn't Jack, but I don't know if I can 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 uh, put a, a a distinct uh, uh, framework on what I thought. I just thought it would be better, and I just want to echo Anthony's sentiments. And I hope you're still listening. You stole my thunder, brother, and I hope I hope you're still listening. Uh, you you were just you were just it was like ESP. He was just reading my mind, and I, yeah. I was trying to call in to to echo the same things that he was saying. Um, you know, as far as technology. I, I didn't think that there would necessarily be flying planes. I, I think you've got a, maybe perhaps Jack a, a decade on me, I guess. It's something like that. <laughs> please, please At least. No offense. Yeah. I was born in 75. I think you're Oh born. yeah. I got a decade uh, on you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it would, it would be cool, but, um, we don't really need them though. I can admit that now. Yeah. And, 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 and also I think, uh, Anthony was also, uh, one of the sentiments was that the technology has actually been more of a hindrance because it's just become so cumbersome. And so, uh, people just, uh, you know, are just catty, you know, with the technology that we have. And, um, why yeah, do you I think that is? I mean, why, why would, why yeah, would we get it all? Yeah. Why, why do you think that is Kurt? I mean, why would technology displace courtesy or manners or mercy or i think it's anonymity people can just um thumb things out and not have to have accountability mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think you know at, at least on main street uh, now on 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 wall street or you know the uh, equivalency of that there needs to be some ownership but on but on on main street people can just mm-hmm. fire things off it's like it's like um if you see a fight somewhere literally in, in person it's going to hang with you and you see someone getting bloodied up, you know, a broken nose. Right. It's going to hang with you. You're going to see right. that violence, and it's, and it's going to it's going to linger with you for the next 24, 72, 96 hours, and and and, and it gets into your psyche. And I think with social media uh, on on Main Street, that's what happens. People, yeah. you know, in, in a non desensitizing. Form, yeah, yeah, they're desensitized. We're desensitized. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so. That's Good point, to say, Jack. Appreciate Thank it. you, Kurt. Good to hear from you. Yeah. I think those are some great points, and along with Anthony, really uh, good answers to these questions. All these are good answers, I think. I love the lady with the Volkswagens, too, but that's just me. That's my car thing. Sorry. <laughs> she did make some good points about uh, the, the, the question, but I, I once she started dropping names like Carmen Ghia and VW Thing, I, you know me. Six forty is our KTSA news time on the JR poll powered by Stevens Roofing. Do you think Congress should form a COVID nineteen commission? Good God, no! <laughs> oh Lord, what a uh, to me that's a terrible idea. But they're saying it would be like the nine eleven commission. I don't know. I hear the word commission. I know how to spell it. I know how to pronounce it. But you know how it sounds? It sounds like cover up. It sounds like let's get our stories straight. So we'll see how you voted on that. Maybe you liked it uh, coming up. What do you think about what Mike Pence said the other day? He was speaking to a uh, political audience in Florida, Mike Pence, the former vice president, and um, he has addressed this uh, kind of glancingly since leaving office, but this was, the, I think, to me, the most straightforward 
thing I've ever heard Mike Pence say about certifying the 2020 election in the in the Senate. Listen to this, cut number two. But there are those in our party who believe that as the presiding officer over the joint session of Congress, that I possess unilateral authority to reject electoral college votes. And I heard this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. And Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. Um, what do you think about that? The media over the weekend, the, the CNNs and the MSNBCs and the Washington Post and Politico, now they love him. <laughs> Before he was a weirdo, he was a fundamentalist Christian, he was a strange-o, and he went with Trump, and now they love him. But don't let that distract you. Mike Pence is the same guy he's always been. Mike Pence has always been a Reagan constitutional conservative Republican. That's who he is. And he's right. Look, I voted for Trump twice. But every time Trump starts in with the Mike Pence could have, Mike Pence should have, I wish Mike Pence had had balls. I, you know, it's, it's exhausting and, and, and worthless. And, and, and just, there's no, there's no need to keep going over and over and over and over that. You and I have talked about this. The, the challenge in the 2020 election was, as the saying goes, not who votes, but who counts the votes. And Republicans fell behind. They didn't, they weren't ready for the, sh- the shenanigans and the chicanery that was put in place under the guise of COVID. In the, in the battleground states, in Georgia, in Michigan, in Arizona, in Nevada. And so they weren't ready. They got outplayed. It's like in a game, the other team had better plays or sneakier plays or whatever you want to call it. And that's what happened, and that's where you lost. I don't think Joe Biden got a record number of votes. Look at him. It's not believable. It's not credible that this is the guy that excited the greatest number of American voters in history. No. Maybe he would have won anyway, but I'm quite sure there was a lot of manipulation. And it was done under the guise of we have to vote differently and we have to waive the rules and not obey the laws of our state. And that's where it got lost. By the time it got to that joint session with Mike Pence, now you're in January of 2021. The horse has not only left the barn, the horse has gone over the horizon. The horse is in another country. And no, Mike Pence was in no position to do any of the things people fantasize about him doing. I don't know why he said it. People have tried to speculate, he's going to run for president. Well, I I think he is going to run for president. I don't think that's why he said it, but I think he is going to run. But I think he's right. What do you think? 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. They're contemplating um, 
Southwest Airlines came out the other day and said they're contemplating bringing alcohol service back to air flights. They took it away for a while, um, like like everything else, beginning of the pandemic. But Southwest says they may add it back um, sometime in this quarter. And the flight attendants union immediately came out and said, um, that's a bad idea, that's a terrible idea. It would be unsafe and irresponsible because airline passengers are are acting up and throwing tantrums and... Um, not only do they not want it brought back, but they want the FAA to simply ban alcohol in commercial flights. Is that a good idea, do you think? I don't drink anymore, so I have no dog in this race, but um, it seems like the vast majority of people who fly are perfectly well-behaved. So we have this tiny minority of I know it seems like oh it happens every day jack but remember that's the world we live in that's the tiktok youtube world that we live in but most people are okay they're not drunk and raging and the people that are don't you think they probably started tanking up at the airport or maybe at home or they have a mason jar in the car or something i mean i don't i can't believe that they're getting that plastered at 7 dollars a drink on the airplane Unless it's a very long flight. What do you think? So, flight attendants are saying don't bring it back. The airlines are saying we might bring it back. There's probably a lot of money in bringing it back, right? I mean, the markup must be incredible. 210 599 5555. I would like to bring back, um, like real food and knives and forks, but <laughs> there I go with that future thing again. San Antonio's News, Traffic, and Weather Station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. KTSA News Time 653. So here's the uh, JR poll question. Should Congress form a COVID-19 commission modeled after the 9-11 commission, or I guess you could say modeled after the January 6th commission. I don't know. I, I'm not sold on it because, to me, they'll just stack it with people that will draw the conclusion they want drawn. And I, I don't... When it comes to finding out the truth, Congress is not where I would go. But what do you think? 61% said no. 39% said yes. New JR poll tomorrow. We get started at 4. It's... Powered by Stevens Roofing. I'll also be in for Sean Ryman tomorrow between 9 and 11. Uh, we learned um, a few days ago, it actually happened last month, but we learned just a few days ago of the death of Sister Janet Mead. Janet Mead was a nun in Australia, and her life was forever changed when she recorded the Lord's Prayer over a kind of then-contemporary rock drum beat arrangement, and combining that with her beautiful kind of pure, you know, crystal clear voice, she had a three-octave range, it became one of the most unlikely hit records of the pop era. The Lord's Prayer, believe it or not, Around Easter in 1974 was the number four hit on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. You would hear it on top 40 radio stations all over the country, all over the world. 
It hit the charts in America and many other countries, including her native Australia, selling more than 3 million copies, nominated for a Grammy in the inspirational performance category, lost to Elvis in that category at the Grammys. One of the very few songs of its kind. And here it is. Oh, 